Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning again. How are y'all doing today? It's been good. We're supposed to have some rain, but we've kind of uh, dodged a bullet so far. It's great. Uh, kind of cold out there, right? Feel, feels like uh, almost like a fake winter, so that's good. Uh, about as cold as it gets here. Uh, but anyway, uh, good, to, good to see you. And if you are uh, brand new, uh, welcome. We are going to go into our time of teaching right now. And inside your, uh, your program is a message note sheet we use every week for our time of teaching. And so you'll need to know that. You want to pull that out as we, uh, we jump in and continue this series, as you've seen on Simple Life. So you guys all ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's jump in. God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and the way you're, you're waking us up, calling us on, and teaching what, does it look like, what, what it looks like to, to run hard after you as uh, the life of a passionate Christ follower. And as we talk about kind of the simple life, putting first things first, we pray that you would come, you would lead, you'd be our teacher, you'd be our speaker, that you'd speak to us uh, directly by your spirit to ours, that when we go out, we'd be changed, we'd be different, we'd be ready to go for this new week and kind of the next step in our walk with you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, we are continuing the series that uh, we started about, what, three weeks ago called The Simple Life, uh, putting first things first. And for those of you who are new, not only welcome, but uh, that this is a series about priorities. And, and so um, what we've been talking about is that we live in the midst of a culture that is kind of moving at the speed of light like every year, 24-7, faster and faster. And in the midst of that, it's often easy for us to kind of lose sight of what's truly most important in life. And so what we're doing in this series is we're just going back to the basics. We're asking some very simple questions. Uh, questions like, as a follower of Jesus, uh, what are my top priorities in life? And then uh, secondly, some evaluation, like how am I doing in those areas? And finally, if I'm not kind of on track where I want to be, what are some things, steps I can take to simplify my life so I can put the first things first? Now, if you're here last week, we talked about priority one for us as Christ followers, which is we called the pursuing God, that we're going we're gonna to love him, we're going to know him, we're going to please him, top desire of our life. And so we use this diagram to help us out. And we said that, that for, for the Christ followers, a lot of things that God calls us to, but the number one thing is to pursue God, like he's the center of our life. And so we talked about this, that often as Christ follows, the mistake we make is that we come to God and we ask him, God, would you help me with my family? Boy, my marriage is struggling right now or I'm, I'm having a hard time with the kids and I need your wisdom, would you help me there? Or God, this whole area of renewal, that I, my life is out of control, I'm just, I'm working too hard, I've got no time for, for rest and renewal, I need some more balance, would you help me there? We, we talk, God, our finances are a mess and would you help me get out of a, a jam here and figure this out or make more money or bless me or whatever. And so we kind of go around this circle, these different areas of our life, and, and we ask God to kind of step in. Would you bless? Would you lead? Would you protect? And yet the reality is, is often we've not done priority number one, which is really pursue God and put him at the center of our life and say our number one goal is, is to please you. And so remember last week, we said, what, it look, what does it look like to, to really pursue God as a number one priority. And we said it was very simple. It's, it's asking the simple question of, God, what do you want me to do in every area of my life? That that would be the passion of our life. How do I please you? What do you want me to do in every area of my life? And once we get that on track, now we're really open to the Holy Spirit to kind of lead us in these other areas. But until we get that center one uh, set, we're not really ready to hear the Holy Spirit. He's not ready to speak because the reality is, why would he lead us in these other areas of our life if we haven't really but followed him in the first step of the journey, which is really pursuing him, number one. And so last week we looked at kind of uh, priority one, pursuing God. Well, today we're moving on, and we're going to talk about priority two, and the big umbrella for that is loving people. 
And there in your note sheet, you see a section called The Simple Life, Pursuing God, Loving People. So let's talk about this just a minute. For us as Christ followers, in a sense, Jesus has made life very simple. He has said there's two priorities that you have as my followers. Number one, you're going to love God or what we've called pursuing God. And then secondly, you're going to love people. Uh, you, you may remember, but there's a very famous passage. I think it's one of the most important passages in all the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 22, where a man comes to Jesus, and basically, to put it in the language of today, he said, what is God's top priority for our life? And what he says is, of all the commandments that have been given in the Bible, all the things in your word, like what would be most important to God, top priority? And you may remember that Jesus said, well, number one, is what we talked about last week, pursue God. He said, number one is to love God. He quotes from Deuteronomy chapter six, love God with all your heart, all your uh, strength, all your, your, uh, all your soul. And he, said, uh, he says, but there's a second priority. And the second priority is you would love your neighbor as yourself. And so for us as Christ followers, it's simple. Love God, love people, right? Pursue God, love, love people. But having said that, uh, Jesus goes on and he says, and all the other commands, uh, and anything else God has said really falls under the category of one of those two. That, that there, everything else, he said, just a, it's a footnote, it's an illustration, it's an explanation of here's what it looks like to love God or love people. And, and so for the Christ follower, in one sense, life becomes very simple. That's what our priorities are. Pursue God, you love people. But having said that, loving people is a big category, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people out there. And we have limited time, we have limited energy, we have limited money, and so is there any priority system in this call to love people? And what we find out in the New Testament is there is. And what we find out, for example, is that there are kind of two kinds of people in the world, those who know Jesus and those who don't, right? That's how the Bible looks at it. And, and, and so uh, priority one for the life of a Christ follower, according to the New Testament, is we're to love those who are in the family of God, those who are fellow Christ followers. And so, for example, you see there on your note sheet from uh, Galatians chapter 6, uh, the Apostle Paul says, as we have opportunity, and you know, as Christ follows, as God gives us opportunity, let us do good. In other words, we're going to love. Let us do good to all people. So there's the call. We're going to love everyone. Doesn't matter if in the faith and out of faith. We're going to love people uh, in radical ways. Uh, but he says, especially, notice that, especially those who belong to what? Let's say it again. Especially to those who belong to what? The family of believers. And so as Christ, as far as we're called to love all people, all places, all time, but especially the family of, uh, of, of, uh, of believers. So we're, we're taking this big thing of loving people, we're prioritizing and say, uh, if we have to choose, we're supposed to, to love those in the family. But I think we can take one step further as you study the Bible and say one step further is that our top priority of all the people we love, the top priority is people in our own family. That these are the ones that, that are closest in us and that, that if we're going to love people, it has to start at home. So for us, uh, as Christ was, our top priority is to love the people that God has placed around us in our families. And so, for example, uh, just we're going to see several examples of that today, but just wanted to get us started, is what in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Or the Apostle Paul is talking to young pastor Timothy about how to lead these churches he's overseeing. And he's talking to them about how, how we're to love people financially and how we're to help people in the body of Christ who are struggling financially. But what he's going to say is, is, is while we're called to love all people in the body of Christ, 
that we're supposed to start with those closest at home in our families. And so he says there, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and he's talking financial now, if anyone doesn't provide for his relatives, and especially for his what? His immediate family that he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. And so, so for the Christ follower, we're called to love everyone, but it starts at home with those around us, our, our uh, uh, siblings, our, uh, our parents, our children, uh, uh, parents in their old age. That, that, that's our first calling of all the things that we're called to love, all the people we're called to love, that it starts at home. Are, are we clear on that? You got to kind of stay following, following the logic. All right. So now having said that and kind of laid that out then, what today, our topic on the table then, is going to be what does it look like to put God first, to, to pursue God, the center of our life, but in relationship to our families. Now, you're going to need to adapt this today because we're all in different family situations, aren't we? Like, like some of you, uh, well, all of you uh, have or had parents, right? So uh, we've all been born, so we'll start there. But uh, some of you are married, you have kids at home. Some of you are single parents, you have kids at home. And so a lot of you is going to direct application to your uh, kind of immediate family at home. Uh, some of you, uh, you have aging parents. And, and so you're going to be looking through that eyes, like what is God's calling to love your aging parents well? Some of you are going to have grown kids that are outside of the home. Some of you are single and you're very close to your family and they live in the area. Some of you are single, there is no family in the area. You have other people that have become like a surrogate family. And so, so however this applies, you, you kind of take what I'm saying, kind of apply it to your situation. But uh, we want to talk about what does it look like to love others well, starting at home. And, and what I want to do is like we did last week is just start out, just kind of uh, get at this by asking some three very simple questions to get us kind of thinking, reflecting, and then asking the question, how can we simplify our lives to put first things first? So there on your note sheet, you have a section. Loving others, putting first things first. And here, here's the first question. We're going to start with the basics. Number one, are you putting your family first? So we, we've seen that, that as Christ followers, love everyone, especially those in the family of God. But our first calling is to love those in our immediate uh, family. And so are you loving uh, your family? Well, are you, putting your first family, uh, are you putting your family first? Now, quick little sidebar. As I said last week, that this does not mean that in every situation, in every season of life, your family always comes first. It doesn't mean that. Uh, we talked about this last week, that as followers of Jesus, the one question we ask is, God, what do you want me to do to please you? And that there are times in our life where God will say during this season of our life, it's not your family that's going to come first in a, in, a, in a temporal sense, but in this season of your life that you are going to have to focus on your career right now because there's a special project at work. There is a, it's tax season and you're accountant or there's a client that needs something extra. And during this season, whether that season is this week or two weeks or a month or whatever, that this season, uh, you're going to have to focus on your career. And that's my top assignment for you as my follower right now. There's gonna be other times where uh, God's gonna say, you know what, during this season, uh, I've called you to ministry and, and we've each been gifted in the body of Christ to extend the kingdom. He's gonna say, during this this season in your ministry department or that part of the church or in that outreach that you're working out there in the world, that there is a time of rapid growth or tremendous need. And so you are going to sacrifice some other things in your life during that season 
for the ministry, all right? So uh, we talked about the apostle Peter as a great example. When Jesus was on earth, he says, Peter, would you drop everything, leave your nets, also leave your family. Remember, we know he was a married guy. Uh, leave your wife right now and just come with me, travel around the country. It was a special season. Jesus was only gonna be there for three years. And so, so Peter did that. He followed Jesus, left his wife behind. Then after Jesus left, it was a different season, and Peter, as he's traveling around the world as an apostle, were told in 1 Corinthians that he would take his wife with him. That was the norm. So, so the, the norm was take your wife with you, but there was a season when he didn't. And so, uh, so, so I'm not saying when I say put family first, that every day this number one thing, you have to spend most time or interview with your I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in an overall big picture look, as you look at the, the kind of the overall big picture of your life, your family is going to come first. And so the question is, uh, are you putting your family uh, first? Now, uh, there in uh, the Bible, we see several places where this is illustrated. And so let's just talk through a few examples. Uh, look at your note sheet. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, uh, God says to a husband, so if, like if you're married here today, you're, you're a man and you're married, uh, this is his word to you. He says, husbands, what are you to do? Lo- love your wives. And, and so he says, uh, if you're married uh, and you're a Christ follower, yes, you're going to love all people, and yes, you're going to focus on the family of God as your top But he says, within that, there is one person that rules your life in terms of love, right? There, there's one person you bow down to, you worship, you say, yes, ma'am. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, just, that was not from uh, the Lord. But... Um, some of you are saying, wait a second, preacher, brother, that's, no, I'm talking, uh, that, uh, that, that if you're married, uh, the top, and this is, if you're married and you're a man, the top person in your life to love, the number one person who you love more than anyone else who captures your affections, that you serve, the number one person on your job description from Jesus, this is who you love, number one person is your wife, right? And he goes on and he says, uh, he says, so as Christ loved the church in a sacrificial way, gave himself up for her. So you love her, you serve her. Now, now notice this, it doesn't say husbands love all wives, right? It says love your wife, okay? And, and so, so we are to love our sisters in Christ, but there is one woman that we love above all else, right? But, okay, so, so uh, let's move on quickly. Um, Titus, number, uh, Titus chapter 2, uh, the, the, a similar thing said to, to women. Like if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're married, you have children, it says um, he's talking about older women in the church should come aside, alongside uh, younger women in the church and mentor them. This is how to follow Jesus in your life. And so he says they can, tr- talking about older women, they can train the younger women to do what? Love their husbands and children. So he says, older women come alongside, mentor younger women, and he says, what do you mentor him? Your number one calling is how to love your husband and love your, your children. There's, so, so wives, you're gonna love all people. Uh, you're, gonna love, uh, you're gonna love the body of Christ, but you're especially gonna love your husband 
and, and he's the most important person in your life. You're going to serve him, and you're going to love your children and serve them well. And so you see this priority. Uh, now, fathers, uh, it's not just moms who love their kids. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, don't exasperate your children because we're really good at that. Um, fathers, don't, exa- don't, don't freak them out. Don't frustrate them. Don't be harsh with them. Don't make them go crazy. Uh, but instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so, so as a dad, dad, the number one calling in your life is to be a spiritual leader of your kids. And to one way you love them is you bring them up to know Jesus and you teach them and you model for them. This is what it looks like to pursue God. And so your, your ultimate goal for your kids is that they would have God as a center of their life. And so dads, he says, this is a responsibility that you have. This is a priority. So, so you following this? He says, okay, we're gonna love all people. We're gonna love especially those in the body. But as Christ followers, that love has to start at home. Now it's funny because in a setting like this where I'm laying it out and we're looking at the scripture, it seems so clear, doesn't it? And, and yet in real life, life can get busy. And have you ever found this, that it's often those at home that get the least part of your love and affection? Like we can, we can be out there kind of loving and serving. We're, we're giving ourselves to our work. Uh, we're, we're coaching a little league team. We're doing PTA. We may be involved in ministry. And so we're kind of loving everyone out there well, but we're not necessarily loving inside our home, well, just because of the busyness of life. And so we, we get these priorities mixed up. And so if we're ser- serious about following Jesus and pleasing him, priority number one is we're gonna love our family well. Now, number two, the second question is, then is this priority reflected in your calendar? Now, uh, we've been talking about this question more than once. For those of you who are brand new, or if you haven't been here the very first week of this series, the very first week of the series, I threw out seven what I called simple life principles. Several, seven principles I told you undergird this whole series. We're going to come back to you again and again. And, and one of those principles was that um, it's our choices that reveal our priorities. Do you remember that? That it's not our what? Remember? Okay, good. Three people are paying attention. <laughs> Not our intentions. Can we say that again? Not our intentions. It's our choices. All right? And so what we like to believe, it's our intentions that reveal our our priorities. So we say, oh, I love my family. It's number one to me. Uh, It is my top priority. There's nothing more important than my wife and my kids. And so you say, okay, the next question is, is that reflected in your calendar? Is that reflected? Well, maybe, no, not really, but I'm telling you, it really, they are. It's like, no, no, intentions don't matter. It's our choices. And so we've been learning that there's two primary places in life we can look at to measure our choices. And what are those two places? Good. Calendar and checkbook. And so, so why? Because our calendar is a record, permanent, etched in, in stone, our calendar is a record of the choices in the way we use our time, and our checkbook is a, is, a, uh, is, is a record, permanent record for all time and space of how we use our money. And so if you want to know what my priorities, look at the way I spend my time and the way I spend my money. So the question is, are you, uh, is, is this priority reflected in your uh, calendar? 
And I think one of the best ways to see whether our families really are a priority is, is that reflected in the way we use our time? Uh, In this message today, I'm going to be quoting two or three books that are are really excellent books, kind of take what we're talking about and want to resource you out. Most of them are in the bookstore. But first one, uh, Rick Warren wrote the book, uh, Purpose Driven Life. If you've never read that book, I I highly recommend. It's a great book, uh, especially in this area of priorities and discovering your purpose and living life on purpose. But uh, notice what he says, time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it. Your, your, Your time is your life. And that's why the greatest gift you can give someone is your time. It's not enough to say relationships are important. We must prove it by investing time in them. Relationships take time and effort. And the best way to spell love is T-I-M-E. And I think he's, he's so on the mark, but the reality is, is that often in the busyness of life, it's, we, we give our family the last, right? It's, it's the, the last thing that gets time. And there in your note sheet, second book, uh, Richard Swanson, Dr. Richard Swanson wrote a great book called Margins, Establishing Margins in Your Life so You Can Live Life Well. And he says, consider the amount of time we spend in some of these relationships. Spouse-to-spouse time averages as little as four minutes a day in meaningful conversation. Parent-to-child quality time resides in the same neighborhood between 37 seconds and five minutes a day, depending on the study. And so he says, as you do, as researchers research how families and our culture are relating, he says the average couple will spend four minutes in meaningful conversation every day. The average parent will spend between 37 seconds and five minutes of meaningful conversation with their children. And so that's not like pass the salt. That's not meaningful, right? That's not, hey, quick, get out of the car. We're late. That's not meaningful. Uh, That's like, where have you been? Dinner's burnt. You know, that's not meaningful. Uh, I mean, it's meaningful, but not in that sense. Uh, And so so we live in a culture that's moving 24-7, as we've talked, and often the ones that we're to love the most often get the least of our time. And, and so, so here's what, what we're going to say, that if we're going to put the first things first in this area of our family, once again, we're going to have to be intentional, right? We're going to have to schedule it in. And one of the principles we've talked about over and over, one of the seven, is that if you want to put the first things first, you have to what? Thank you. Thank you. You win the prize. Come on down. We got the iMac for you. That's right. All right. Uh, I'm going to do that one of these days, just to get you more involved. But uh, anyway, yeah, if you want to put the first things first, you have to put the first things first in your calendar, right? That, you, that if we just wait for life to work itself out, it does it. That you have to be intentional. And so, uh, for example, uh, John Maxwell, next quote, uh, famous uh, speaker, leader, author uh, on leadership, very busy guy, but he talks about this in his own life. It's a great illustration. He says, I'll plan my work for the whole month, but before I mark any dates for work, I write all the important dates in for my family activities. Now, catch that. What's he doing? He's putting the first things first. Family's first, so before I plan out the month, I'm putting the first things first in. So I'll block out time for birthdays, anniversaries, Thank you. <laughs> That's really good. That's good. Very quick. 
Uh, ball games, theater performances, graduation ceremonies, concerts, romantic dinners. I'll schedule special one-on-one time with Margaret. That's his wife, not his secretary. At each of the kids, just kind of moving on. I just didn't want to, okay, with each of the kids so that we can continue build our relationships. And then once those are set, I'll plan my work schedule around them. You see how he's putting first things first. He's kind of, he's putting the first things in the calendar. He says, I've done this for years and it's been the only thing, catch this, only thing that's prevented my work from squeezing my family out of the schedule. I found that if I don't strategically structure my life to spend time with my family, it won't happen. And so, so let's talk about it. Let's get as practical as we can. And what I want to do is give some examples from my own life. Now, I want to be clear on this uh, neon lights around it. Uh, I, I'm not sharing these because these are the only examples. I'm certainly not sharing them because this is what you should do in your life. So I don't want you coming back and say, well, Pastor Mike said, no, all I'm saying is these are examples, all right? And so, so in your life, Jesus is going to lead you differently. In your life, uh, God is by space going to direct you in your own ways. But I also don't want to just leave the point at this point and say, so figure it out, right? I want to give you some, some uh, examples that help you just kind of uh, from, from our life and experience, uh, ways that have worked for us. So, so let's start with family dinners. For us, uh, with our kids growing up, family dinners were really important. Now, now, I came from a family, this was a priority, I never really thought much about it, we did it. Looking back, our kids are now grown and married, but looking back, I think it's one of the most important things that we did to establish a strong connection in our family. And we'll talk about it later, because I'm sure some of you have some objections already, how it won't work for you, but, but we'll, we'll come back to that later. But, but uh, it was really interesting, this fall, I was at a conference, and, and the two main speakers were... Um, uh, Andy Stanley from North Point Church down in Atlanta that we have to talk about that just kind of, you know, it's a great leader guy. Uh, his church has like 24,000 people, uh, one of the most influential churches in America. And then Craig Groeschel, who wrote the book Weird, we talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, Life Church, uh, very influential. Extremely busy guys. And, and both in separate conversations in that, in that uh, conference, that one-day conference, kind of as sidebars, it wasn't really the topic, they both talked about this, how in their lives, how critical having family dinners is to their family. Craig's got six kids who are still at home. Uh, Andy's had several kids. And, and there is something special about programming into your calendar family dinners. Because uh, when you have a family dinner, and I'm talking, let's, let's define this. Uh, we're eating at the same table, right? Uh, the TV is off, right? Smartphones are put away. iPads can't be seen. No, I, no pods in ears, right? That's, I'm talking family dinner, that when you have family dinner, what it does is it builds into your life on a daily, uh, daily schedule, it builds family time, and it's unstructured time, and so there, at the, there, there conversations can happen. There you can debrief about the day. There you can share funny stories. You could ask about what's going on. You can sense when someone is hurting in your family. Something is wrong, and I need to be praying or speaking in or finding out what's going on. Uh, it's there you build relationship. It's there you build connection. For those of you who have young children, I just would encourage you to really consider this, making this a, uh, uh, th- this is a priority because it's one of, those, one of those ways that we can truly uh, connect with our kids. It's, it's a moment for, te- it's, it's a great time for teachable moments. It's, we'll talk about this later, about teaching our kids uh, kind of how to pursue Jesus. It's an awesome time for teachable moments and you can't plan teachable moments. You just have to schedule time so there's time for them to happen. And so, 
So in our life, growing up, extremely important. Family, family, it's, it's a way of daily putting something in the calendar. So what I'm going to talk about is that we think of structuring our family time. It needs to be daily. It needs to be, think weekly. We need to think monthly, quarterly, annually. We need to think like that, right? The different time segments. Uh, a second thing for us, when, when our kids were young, uh, they were growing up, so we're talking elementary school age. Uh, I, I was uh, uh, very busy, as I've always been. And so uh, during that time, though, the, reason, the reasons change, um, but uh, during that time, uh, I was one of the senior pastors at a uh, kind of a rapidly growing church, and so church work was busy. Uh, on top of that, I was in grad school, going to grad school half-time, and so life was very busy. And so Lynn and I recognized my, our, our kids needed more time from me, that they needed more concentrated time. And so we started doing something, we called it the big fun thing. Now, I don't know if it's such a creative name, but our kids thought it was awesome. You know, when, you know how it is when your kids are in third grade? They think you're awesome. <laughs> and uh, so, what are, so we had this big fun thing. And what it was, it wasn't really that big. It was always fun, though, from the kids' point of view. And so every Saturday, we would do a big fun thing. And so, so it, could be, uh, it could be as simple as Dairy Queen eating, uh, drinking, eating or drinking how you want to it, blizzards because you kind of eat them, kind of drink them. Uh, it could be uh, flying kites in the park. It could be uh, a, a trip to the beach. It could be uh, getting passes to Wild Animal Park in Escondido and kind of going out and hanging out in the wild. It could be a variety of things, but it was something that all week long the kids say, what are we going to do for our big fun thing? And so every week we, we had scheduled in our calendar when Saturday came, we were family. We're going to do a big fun thing. Uh, obviously, uh, a church was a family thing. That that's a priority. It's, it's a weekly thing that we do as a family. Like We don't wake up and say, are we going to church today? It's like, no, that's part of what we do, and that becomes a family thing. Uh, but it comes other things, too. I think of um, vacations. Uh, every summer, we would go to the Sierras camping or refugia. We didn't have a lot of money, so we couldn't do a lot of expensive things, but we could do camping at the beach, camping in the mountains, great family time connecting. Every Thanksgiving, we went to Julian, a little mountain town outside of uh, San Diego, and there was a little 600-foot cabin that we had access to. We got it for really cheap, super cheap, and we would go up there for the whole week. No TV uh, out in the middle of the woods. We would take a huge box full of books, puzzles, games. Uh, Lynn would take things to bake. They'd bake with the girls. We'd read out loud. And, and so it started when my oldest daughter was in kindergarten and went all the way through her senior year of high school. It was our favorite week of, of the year. But you see what I'm saying? All I'm saying is that you've got to find ways to build time in to be a family. There's got to be time to emotionally connect. That's what we're talking about. That if you're not emotionally connected with your kids, you can't influence your kids. And so it's time to influence. But, but not just, not just uh, kids. This is so important in our marriages. Right? We're, we saw that as Christ followers, top priority for me is to love my wife, for my wife to, to love me. Same in your families if you're married. And yet that takes time. And so uh, what does that look like? Scheduling it into your calendar. For us, for Lynn and I, in different seasons of our life, it's looked differently. But like in this current season, the last several years, one of the things we've done is we have had a date night. And so every Thursday night, it's in our calendar, that's our date night. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be expensive. It might be going to Starbucks together. It might be going to Subway, Chipotle. Could be soup plantation. Could be frozen yogurt. I always see a lot of you there at frozen yogurt. Uh, and so... Uh, 
But Thursday is our date night. And so here's the thing. Catch this. We know no matter how crazy this week gets, and trust me, there are times you're crazy. No matter how crazy this week gets, we are going to be together on Thursday night. And we're going to connect, and we're going to talk, and we're going to catch up. And so nothing interferes with Thursday night. And so if you invite me over Thursday night, in fact, last night, I, I saw someone this morning who was here last night, and he stopped in the parking lot. Hey, you want to come over Thursday night? Uh, but uh, that, you asked me, can you do something on Thursday night? Nine times out of ten, I'm going to say no. You know, but you know, there's something really important. No, the answer is no, because why? As a Christ follower, my first calling is to love my wife, and that takes time. And so there's very little, very few times anything's going to take precedence over that. We're going to put barbed wire around that. That's our time, right? So, so if you have a need, sorry. Get me Friday. No, that's my day off. Get me Saturday. No, get me. I'm preaching. Uh, uh, call me Monday. I'll be, I'll be there for you. Uh, anyway, uh, that, that that's, and so that's a way that we've kind of built into, it's just an example. Um, it's interesting, uh, you know, as our kids are growing up, I'm figuring this out now. I'm in a new stage of life. I'm figuring this out now. So no, now I have grown kids. They're married. And so, so now the question is, and one of my daughters has a couple of kids, so I've got grandkids. And so like now the question I'm asking God is, okay, God, what does it look like to put family first in this era of my life? Holy Spirit, I need direction. How do I schedule that into my calendar? I have aging parents now, and so I need to make them a priority. What does that look like to schedule that into my, you see what I'm saying? But here's what I, the bottom line is, is that if we don't schedule it in our calendar first, it will not happen. It will not happen. And so the question is, is this priority of family first in your life, is it in your calendar? Is it reflected in your calendar? Now, number three. The third question is, what needs to change? So, so in this series, one of the things we've said is that if we're going to put the first things first, that there are certain things that are going to have to go, right? That, that we can't just take our busy lives and, and go through this series and say, oh, that's right, I need to put family first. So I'm going to start adding it on to what I'm already doing, um, that, oh yeah, I need to be pursuing God. Let's just add that on. That, that there's, if we're going to add some things, chances are you're going to have to take some things off. You're going to have to make some changes. And so the question is, uh, as you try to simplify your life, so you put the, like, what are, what are things that need to change? And of course, this is something the Holy Spirit is going to have to help you. It's what we've said every week, that you're going to put God first. God, what do you want me to do? And you're going to go to God, and you're going to say, God, in this area of my life, I, I, I'm trying to figure this out, and sometimes I feel overwhelmed. I, I've got work. I've got these responsibilities. I've got this ministry. I've got this thing, and, and Mike said, I'm going to put family first, so that makes sense, and I want to put my family first, but I'm kind of overwhelmed. How do I do that? And so you're going to have to go to God, and you're going to have to ask him, but but here's the thing. I want to prepare you for what he may say. And what he may say is there's certain things that are going to have to change. That if you really want to put your family first, there's certain things in your schedule that are going to have to change. And catch this, there are many times when the things he's going to ask you to change are very countercultural. And we've talked about this in this series, that if we want to experience God's plan for us, there's times we have to be counterculture. You're going to have to do things that are going to feel at times strange to you because we're so surrounded by the culture, it becomes the norm for us. And, and so 
if you're going to change some of these things, I'm, there's going to be a learning process. There's going to be times. Where, let me give you some examples. Earlier, I talked about family dinners. Now, now honestly, for me, this was no big deal because I, I grew up in a family that had family dinners. We got married. It just seemed like normal. And so we just kind of did. It was, it was normal for me. But times have changed, right? Times have changed. And, and my guess is that for many of you, that, that even the thought of having regular family dinners is probably something you have tried before and it just really hasn't worked because of your schedule. And, and so you know your schedule and God knows your life and, and, and that may be his plan for you. I'm not saying it isn't. But, but let me throw something at you. That, that it may, this may require you to really rethink and make some changes in the way you schedule your life. Uh, for, for example, you, you may say, well, hey, Mike, I... That will never work for me because I have this long commute and I don't get home till uh, you know seven o'clock and it's just or seven thirty and it's just too late. The kids have to eat at five thirty, you know, because we got this routine and, and so on. Uh, uh, you may say uh, that it just won't uh, work for me because you just have all these reasons why it won't work. But but I want to challenge you. What would it look like for you to change your schedule to make that work? Like like maybe it would require you asking your boss, or if you are the boss, you can just do it. But uh, that may, maybe it means like going to some more of a flex schedule. You start earlier in the morning. Hey, great, you beat the commute anyway. You know, you go in at four o'clock, you know, whatever. You go in early and so you're home early so you can be that family time. What would it look like to say, instead of saying the kids run this show, we gotta have the kids, they gotta eat by 5.30 because then there has to be the baths and there has to be this and so on. It's like, hey, they're three, you know? Like they don't know the difference. Uh, Tell them you live in Europe, and we're going to eat at eight, you know, and, and, and just change your night around, you know, just kind of, just pretend, just get out of the American box, eat light, you know, uh, and, and use a lot of olive oil. You'll live longer, too. Uh, all right, so, so uh, uh, here's one that you may say, uh, but that would never work, Mike, because our kids are in activities every night of the week. Like we got, we got band, we got uh, soccer, we got youth group, uh, we got life, we got all these kids things, and, and so that would never work. Well, let, let me challenge you on something here. Now, I am going to definitely, I'm just warning you, you need to get out your steel-tipped shoes right now, because I'm going to be stepping on some toes the next few minutes. I know it, I know it, but just remember, it's only because I love you. So, uh, <laughs> so, so here we go. Uh, here is one of my biggest concerns. My biggest concerns in our culture today is we over-program our kids. There are so many good things to do out there that the good becomes the enemy of the best. And, and so, so you, if you know, if you have, if you parents right now, you know this because there are a billion things. There are dance classes. There are football practices. There is soccer. There is uh, uh, kind of musical lessons. There is volleyball. There is uh, ASB. There is chess club. I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and I love it that way. I love it. We live in a culture. There are so many awesome opportunities for kids. Okay, but catch this. We also live in a culture where parents are paranoid to parents, right? Like we live in a culture today where our biggest fear as parents is we're gonna mess up our kids. And so our biggest fear is that someday they're gonna be sitting on a therapist's couch talking about us. <laughs> and so 
in order to compensate for that, we want to make sure they have every opportunity that there is never anything we don't give them that they could talk about us someday the way we talk about our parents, right? So, uh, and so you bring these two things together, unlimited opportunities and incredible paranoia, bring them together. And so what we do is that out of love for our kids, we overprogram them. And so we are driving them here. We're driving them there. Our family is moving at the speed of light. You're exhausted. You feel like a taxi cab driver. It's like you're exhausted. You have no time alone. You have no time for your husband or your wife. You have no time for your family. It's all for the right reason because you love your kids. But we are over programming their lives. And and here's the thing, that in the process, we are robbing them of the very best thing in life, which is deep emotional connection with their family and a deep connection with God. Those are the two most important things your kids to lead a healthy life, and we are over-programming our kids to death. And so worse than that, man, worse than that, we are often teaching them in the process that God is an important part of their life But honestly, there are other things that are much more important. And you say, well, how do we teach them that? Because this is what we tell them. Your schoolwork is so important, I don't want you going to youth group on Wednesday night. Or or there's not time for it. You've, You've got these big tests coming up. I need you to skip your small group. What are we telling them? We're telling them that your career, because that's what, for them, school is their career, right? It's how they're gonna get a job. What we're telling them is that your career is more important than your relationship with God. And, and now I'm gonna really start stepping on some toes. Youth athletics, they come to start running our lives. And I'll tell you what, that church becomes a secondary priority. And it becomes more important to us to get our kids in that youth league or the, the, the all-star team. And we will program our whole lives around youth sports. And church becomes secondary and being in the right groups in church and whether we can make church that weekend. And what are we doing? We're telling our kids, yeah, God is important, but he's not the center. What's really important is that you make the all-star team or that you one day get an athletic scholarship via volleyball or football or whatever. You see what I'm saying? We are programming our kids We are programming them for failure. And then we wonder why, after they graduate from high school, they stop going to church. Because we've taught them their whole lives that God's important, but he's not the most important. Sports are more important. So we can't understand when they graduate from high school and they're out on their own, why now dirt biking out in the desert and surfing on Sunday and all these other things take priority in their life. And they'll tell you, oh mom, I still, my dad, I still love God. No, I haven't left God. It's just that the, what have we done? We've taught them their whole lives this. And so as followers of Jesus, the most important thing to teach our kids is to love Jesus. It's the very most important thing. In fact, they're in your note sheet. Watch this. It's in Deuteronomy chapter six. There's this great passage where uh, Moses is talking. This is the passage that Jesus quotes from in Matthew 22, about loving God with all your heart and soul. I want you to see it says, Moses says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And then look what comes next. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your what? Hearts. In other words, as parents, if you want to raise godly kids, number one thing, is that you love God with all your heart. Your model, your model is more important than your words will ever be. 
If your kids see you pursuing God, they see you in a life group, you're making time in your schedule, they see you making tough decisions based on God's word, they see you serving, what, what your kids are learning is that is most, so, so Moses says, let these commandments about loving God be on your hearts, be living them out, but then look what he says next. He says, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, we would say when you're driving in the car, when you lie down, notice you put your kids to bed at night, and when you get them up in the morning for breakfast. What he's saying, he says, he says okay, love God with all your heart. Make that your number one goal in life. You're gonna pursue God. He says, and then once you're clear on that, and that's gripped your heart, and you're pursuing God, now the next important thing, the most important thing as parents, is to pass that on to your kids. He says, so look, at, look for those teachable moments. Look for those moments when you're, when you're at home together, and, and you just relax, a teachable moment. Look, look for that moment when you're driving them to, to uh, school or you're picking up from school. Look for that teachable moment when you're putting them to bed at night and they don't really want to go to bed anyway and it's just that sweet moment they're, they're open to talk more than normal. When you wake them up in the morning and you're getting their breakfast ready, uh, he says, look for those moments to impress. And you know the problem is? Is we are moving too fast to have teachable moments. We don't have, we, we can't have those conversations with our kids because we're never at home, right? We, we can't have those conversations because we're rushing so much that every time we're in the car, we are just going, breaking the speed limit uh, to get to where we need to go. We can't have that because when we're putting our kids, we're not there when our kids are going down to bed at night or, or that when we're there, we're so busy and so tired, we don't have the energy to invest. We're not there in the morning or when we get them up, we're just so rush, 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 we don't have the time. You see what's happening is we're programming our kids for failure. There on your note sheet, a great quote from a USA Today article that I read many years ago. But uh, it was by, it was a quote from a professor of social science at the University of Minnesota. And he said, our, our children are scheduled like CEOs. What is lost is family time, dinners together, bedtime talks, visits to the relatives, time to just hang out. Catch this, overscheduling is becoming a cultural problem. We have ratcheted up the competitiveness of childhood to the point it's gotten out of hand. And if that was true 10 years ago, it is twice as true today. And so, so minimum, the question is, in your life, as you're gonna pursue Jesus in your life, as you're gonna put him first in your life, and as you're gonna say, Jesus, what does it look like to put you first as I lead my family? The question, are there any changes that you need to make, intentional changes? Maybe in your life, you say, you know what? We need to get serious about this family dinners thing. Maybe in your life, it's, it's you know, as my wife and I, we need to get that date night out on a regular basis. Uh, maybe it's family vacations. For some of you, it's work. We haven't talked a lot about work today, but for some of us, work becomes our God, and so we will sacrifice our family on the altar of our career. And so for some of us, it's dialing back there. I can't tell you how many friends I, I've had over my life. I've been uh, just fortunate to see many just wise men who have made choices to give up things that they, even give up a promotion, even give up uh, uh, an opportunity. Uh, I, I've seen people give up um, kind of very, things that they love. Uh, guys give up golf. Uh, guy, guys give up um, a musical uh, kind of, a, uh, kind of a band. Uh, uh, guys giving up surfing. Why? Because they realize that there's something has to change. For me to love my family well, that, that I can't, it's not that this is a bad thing, it's just that during this season of my life, I need to put it on the shelf so that I can put first things first. Does that make sense? Let's pray to God. And God, 
we are uh, just so thankful for this time to reflect at the start of a new year on what really are the first things and what does it look to pursue you and put you first. And so we thank you for this message that you give us that as Christ followers, life becomes very simple. We're gonna pursue you, we're gonna love people, but especially those uh, in our own family. And so we pray that you'd give us wisdom. God, this is not an easy thing to figure it out. We, 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 we live busy lives, all kinds of responsibilities, but one of the things we've learned in this series is that we do have the time to do what you're calling us to do. And so it's really a matter of us listening and then applying what you're teaching. And so we pray that your spirit would be clear, that you would guide us, mentor us one by one, family by family, person by person, marriage by marriage, because we're all different. And so we just pray that your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and teach us how to put first things first in the area of loving people, especially our family. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. Well, it's good to be with you. Just a couple of things as we close. Uh, it's been a while since I've said this, so i just like to say it to this service every once in a while, is that uh, a lot of you uh, have been praying for me. For about the last five years, I've had some really significant issues with my voice. It gets really, pretty raw when I'm speaking. And so uh, after the nine o'clock service, I always cut out immediately and just head off to my office. And uh, if you're here ever at the Saturday night service or the 11 o'clock service, I don't do that because Saturday I'm done and 11 o'clock I can ruin it and I'll be fine. But, uh, but at nine o'clock, I want to preserve it. And so the only reason I mention that is, first of all, thank, thank you, uh, those of you who are just so many you're always asking, how's it doing? Uh, uh, we're praying for you. Uh, the report would be it's doing about the same. And I'm, I'm thankful that over five years it's not gotten worse, but uh, it is a painful thing. And I appreciate for your constant prayers for me that uh, I don't know if it's like one of those thorn in the flesh things or whatever, but uh, that God would just either grace me with it or, or remove it. You know? So I thank you for that. But I also want you to know because as a pastor, it's so important for me to be accessible to you. And I, I love standing down here afterwards and just greeting you or those of you who have questions. And this is the one service that doesn't happen. And if you're new, I want you to know why it doesn't happen. So if you ever need to talk to me after a service, just come to one of the others and we'll be good. So uh, anyway. Uh, also remind you that after every service here, we always have this a prayer. We call it the prayer corner. It's at the back of our auditorium on my far left back there. There's a sign. You can't miss it. And if in, after any service you ever need prayer, I uh, encourage you to go back there. We have some elders, uh, pastors, uh, prayer, prayer team people that would just love to pray with you, whatever. I don't mention that every week, but it's always there, okay? Uh, the next week, uh, looking forward to continuing this series. Uh, next week, we're going to focus on the topic of career. Uh, I think as Christ followers, one of the most important ways to pursue God is to pursue him in our careers, whether that career is inside the home uh, as a homemaker or outside the home, uh, out in the marketplace, that this is one of the most important areas to follow Jesus well, and yet uh, it's one of those areas we often don't talk about. As, so what does it look like to put God first as we pursue him in and through our, our career? We spend most of our time or much of our time there, and so really looking forward to that. But until then, uh, may Jesus be with you in a very personal way. May he capture your heart. May he truly be the center of your life. May the driving force, the question of your life be, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation, in every situation? May you live for his glory, may be used for his kingdom, and may he teach you personally this week how to put the first things first in your life. I love you. I'll see you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. 
Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Thank you.